Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Assistant Pastor Darrell Logan. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. We're in Genesis chapter 22 tonight, beginning at the 20th verse, and we're going to go through Genesis chapter 23, verse 20. And we do have a title for the study. It is A Piece of the Promise. A Piece of the Promise. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We pray that you help us to be sensitive uh, to your Holy Spirit. Help us to be receptive of your word and the work you desire to do in and through us. All across this campus, Father, and even for those who may be tuning in online. And I do pray for the gift of teaching. I pray for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit and uh, that I would decrease and you increase. Father God, may you be glorified tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So in a previous study, uh, Abraham escaped the heartache of having a close family member die. That close family member being his son, Isaac, who was the son of promise. And when we say he's the son of promise, that means he's the son that God had uh, promised that Abraham and Sarah would have. But in this study, um, Abraham will not be able to escape the heartache of having a close family member die. And so we're going to see that um, during this study. Uh, but as we continue in this study, in the book of Genesis, um, our goal As we continue to look at this narrative about Abraham's life, our goal is to pick up um, any spiritual nuggets that God has for us. And yes, at times there's there's certain topics that the Lord places upon my heart as um, I'm going verse by verse uh, through this book. Uh, But along the way, once again, we're going to pray for any spiritual nuggets that the Lord has for us. And so, in other words, we're asking for a timely word. It's maybe there's something you've been praying for. Maybe there's something you're going through, something you're thinking about. I pray that God will meet your need wherever you are spiritually at this point or even emotionally or mentally. May the Lord meet your need as we go uh, through these scriptures. And so we are going to start at Genesis chapter 22, uh, verse 20. It says, now it came to pass after these things, that it was told Abraham, saying, Indeed, Milcah also has borne children to your brother Nahor. Now that phrase, after these things, it actually refers to the test of faith that Abraham had just passed. Uh, because remember that in obedience to the Lord, to what the Lord told him to do, remember Abraham went to the land of Uh, Moriah on a mountain God told him to go to and he was about to offer the son of promise Isaac as a burnt offering again because the Lord told him to so he was about to do that in obedience to him but we know from the previous study early on in uh, Genesis chapter 22 we know that the Lord stepped in and so he didn't go through with sacrificing his son in fact the Lord provided a ram in the place of Isaac. And so after these things, once again, it's referring to um, that test that 
Abraham had just passed with flying colors. It was a test of faith. And so here in 22 verse 20, we see that Abraham got the news that Nahor, his brother, and Milcah, his wife, had children back in Ur of the Chaldeans in Mesopotamia. And that was located in uh, the southern area of modern-day Iraq, which was, by the way, Abraham's hometown. And Milcah, by the way, because we know that Nahor uh, was Abraham's brother, uh, but Milcah was the daughter-in-law of Haran. And Haran, he died, but he was the brother of Abraham and Nahor's brother. Or he was the brother of Abraham and Nahor. And so in verse uh, 22, or yeah, chapter 22, verses 21 through 23, because we're jumping, you know, from two different chapters here. So I want to be clear on that. So we're in Genesis chapter 22, verses 21 through 23. It says, now Huz, or it could be pronounced Uz. So you'll see that variation there. His firstborn, Buzz, his brother, Kimuel, the uh, father of Aram. And she said, Hazel, Peldash, Jitlaf, and Bethuel. And so Bethuel, in verse 23 of Genesis 22, it says he begot Rebekah. Now these eight Milcah bore to Nahor, Abraham's brother. And so here we learn of Rebekah's family. And so I believe that little portion was put in there just to show you who Rebecca is related to uh, because Rebecca will go on to be the wife of Abraham's son, Isaac, as we'll see in Genesis 24, as um, Abraham is, you know, looking for a wife for his son, the promised son, Isaac. And so if you haven't been following, just to sum it up, Rebecca was Nahor's granddaughter, and she is also Abraham's great niece. So just to sum that up. And so when we get to uh, Genesis chapter 24, Lord willing, we'll be able to piece it all together. But that's why I believe this um, this family line was shared here. Uh, but in um, chapter 22, verse 24, it says his concubine, speaking of Nahor, his concubine or his secondary wife, whose name was Reuma, also bore Teba, Gaham, uh, Thahash, or also pronounced Tehash, depending on which version you're reading, and Mayaka. And so he had more family uh, back in Ur from his brother Nahor. And so we move on to Genesis chapter 23, verse 1, where it says, Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And so in her 127 years of life, Sarah experienced seeing God's promise of this son come to pass, this son, Isaac. So so she finally saw this promise. Now, at this time, Isaac is about 37 years old, uh, because remember that Sarah was 90 years old when she gave birth to Isaac. So now she's 127 um, years old, and, and that's when she died. 
And so once again, he's 37 years old. And this means that Sarah got to enjoy her son Isaac for 37 years. So we can look at it that way. So for 37 years, she got to enjoy her blessings. And God is so gracious in that. And so, yes, maybe it would have been nice if she would have been able to enjoy him for for 60 years or whatever. But God was still gracious and, and he was on time in allowing her to give birth to Isaac. But when we think about us, we need to realize that God is gracious to us as well on this side of heaven or on this side of eternity. Because on this side of heaven, he allows us as well to enjoy some blessings. However long that may be. It may be 37 years, 20 years, 5 years, whatever it may be. However long God allows us to enjoy the blessings in our lives, we need to be grateful. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, uh, the Bible says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, a lot of people, uh, they ask around, what is God's will for me? I believe we can find a lot about the will of God for us if we were to read and study the word of God. Uh, but in this case, just in these few verses here in First Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18, we see that his will for us is to always rejoice. It's to pray without ceasing and to give thanks for everything. And that's where I want to focus just uh, in everything, give thanks. Because remember, whatever uh, time that God gives to us to enjoy the blessings in our lives, we need to be thankful. And I believe that Sarah was grateful that that she was able, even in her um, older years, to enjoy this son that God had promised to her. But now she has gone home to be with the Lord. In chapter 23, back in Genesis, verse 2, it says, So Sarah died in Kerjath or Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Now Hebron is a more um, current name. And Kerjath or Kiriath Arba, that was more of the ancient name of Hebron. But Hebron was a city that was 19 miles south of Jerusalem. If that's something you want to look up in, in, on your Bible map. And so here we see the man of God, Abraham. He is mourning for his wife, Sarah. He's weeping for her. And there are so many in the body of Christ who can identify with Abraham, who are mourning and weeping over the death of a spouse. Even after years have gone by, may still seem fresh uh, to some of you. And so you can identify with this man of God, Abraham. And I just want to let you know, and I know many of you know this, that it's okay to weep. It's okay to mourn. 
Once again, we see the man of God, Abraham, doing it here. But but also in the New Testament, you had someone who is truly God and truly man. None other than Jesus, the Christ. You saw him weeping. Very short verse just says, Jesus wept. And so God understands. He understands when we miss someone that we have done life with for years. And it doesn't even have to be a a spouse who passed away, but, but just someone, you know, maybe someone else in the family or close friend who passed away. He understands if we mourn, if we weep. But I would encourage you to remember the blessings of being able to share the life with your spouse prior to their death. So in other words, hang on to those good memories. And I know you know this, but sometimes it's just good to to hear it from someone else and to have that reminder. But even more than that, if your mate is saved, just understand that you're going to be reunited with them in eternity. That is, if you are a believer as well. And so according to the scriptures, you won't be marry in heaven anymore and some people are probably celebrating that but guess what i've heard this said before so i'll put it this way you're not going to be any dumber in heaven than you are here so you're going to know them even more so whatever you think you know here you're going to you're going to know them even more even though you may not be married to them anymore because uh, jesus says that we'll be as the angels you don't become angels we're different beings than angels you have to be created an angel to be an angel god created us as humans so so when we die our, our souls we go to be with the lord human souls we get glorified bodies they still human glorified bodies we don't become angels but Jesus says we'll become as the angels in the sense that there won't be a need for for any marriage in eternity. Won't be any need to have any sexual relations in order to have offsprings in eternity. But I know some of you may be sad at the thought of that. But like I said, you're going to know them more than you know them now. And however you think um, life is on this side of heaven, you, you may think it's, it's so great, it's so good, and I'm happy for you if that's where you are, but it gets even better. So I just want to throw that out to you there. Uh, but I also want to encourage you to, to don't get to the point where you are sorrowing, if you're sorrowing, if you're mourning or weeping. Don't, don't sorrow as those who don't have hope. Because once again, if your spouse was a believer, you're a believer, there's going to be that reunion in heaven. But the best thing about heaven, by the way, as good as it is, and, and we don't, we, we only know just a little bit about it. And however good we think it is based on what we read about heaven, it's going to be that much, it's going to be way better than we can even imagine. But this here is put in to our human language and so we, our minds are just going to be blown but but don't sorrow as those who don't have hope and, and praise god we do have a, a, a ministry here an outreach here called grief share 
So if you are still grieving, I would encourage you to sign up to, to become a part of that outreach. It's been a blessing to so many. And I don't know how many years it's been going on, but it's still going on. And we plan on having another session start up in uh, January. So if you, you or maybe someone else you know are still grieving the death of a loved one, I just want to put that out there to you to be on the lookout for our next session in Grief Share. And then, too, don't be afraid to call upon people in the church, brothers and sisters in Christ, to ask for prayer, to reach out to them in your time of need. We are a body. We are a spiritual family. And I could tell you this there, my spiritual family which consists of everybody who have repented and placed a trust in Jesus Christ and are now a child of God. My spiritual family is closer to me than my blood relatives are. And maybe many of you feel that way as well. But I'm just saying from from what I know, from what I have experienced in life. And so don't don't be ashamed to reach out to your family, to your brothers and sisters in Christ if you are grieving and you have a need and you need prayer, you need direction, you need encouragement. But above all else, brother and sister in Christ, if you're grieving, lean on those everlasting arms of God. This is a God of all comfort, the God who's able to soothe or relieve us in our time of affliction. We continue in Genesis 23, verses 3 and 4. It says, then Abraham stood up from before his dead, speaking of Sarah, his dead wife, and he spoke to the sons of Heth, or the Hittites, some virgins say the Hethites, saying, I am a foreigner and a visitor among you. Give me property for a burial place among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And so here, Abraham started that process of taking care of the next order of business. Now he's trying to find a burial place for Sarah. And so here, as the scriptures tell us, he he spoke with the sons of Heth. And Heth, by the way, was a son of Canaan. And he was also the progenitor of the Hittites or the originator of the Hittite people. And Canaan, by the way, because uh, Canaan was Heth's father. Canaan, by the way, was a son of Noah's son, Ham. And so you're seeing how all of this ties together. And, and here's the thing. Like I said, the Hittites came from Heth. And, and so I mentioned that because the Hittites will be one of the people groups that the Lord would promise to drive out of Canaan, the promised land, in order to allow the Israelites to settle in Canaan. And so that's, these are the people that will come from Heth. And Abraham is speaking to these sons of Heth, to these Hittites. A land that was promised to him and to his descendants. He's, he's trying to get just a little bit of land to bury his dead wife, Sarah. This man was so blessed. Speaking of Abraham, has so many possessions, so many animals, so many livestock. But can you imagine as rich as he was in material things that he did not have a place even to bury his wife? 
In verses 5 and 6, it says, And the sons of Heth, or these Hittites, they answered Abraham, saying to him, Hear us, my lord. You are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest or the finest of our burial places. None of us will withhold from you or refuse you his burial place that you may bury your dead. And so just by reading that, you can see that it's so evident that Abraham had not messed up his witness amongst those who are in the land. See, they they understood that Abraham had favor with God. So they called him a mighty prince. In other words, he's, they, they saw him as a man of wealth and power, this, this prince of God, in other words. They understood he had favor with the God of the universe. They were even um, willing to help him because they respected this man, this man of God. Now, it is true, by the way, that there's some in the world who are going to hate you no matter what. You're walking in holiness. You're, you're doing the right thing. You're, you're speaking well of people. You're, you're, you're just speaking the truth and love. And yet, there's going to be some people who are going to hate you no matter what. You can't change that. You can't change what other people do. But I would say this. Don't mess up your witness. Don't give the enemy, don't give the people who belong to this world system influenced by Satan, the spiritual enemy. Don't give them a reason to blaspheme our God. Don't mess up your witness. In fact, in first Peter chapter two, verses 11 and 12, the word of God says, beloved, speaking to believers, I beg you as sojourners. So just like Abraham, we are temporary residents on this earth. And also we're pilgrims or foreigners. And so as people who are temporary residents and foreigners, we belong to a heavenly kingdom where we serve the king of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. He tells us to abstain or to hold back. Don't, get, don't give in to a fleshly lust which war against the soul or immaterial part of us, our inner man. And he says, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, those who are not believers, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. And so don't mess up your witness. Abraham didn't mess up his, apparently, before uh, these sons of Heth or these Hittites. And so we can take a lesson from from Abraham. We can take a lesson from first Peter here. We could take a message from Jesus himself who told us to uh, let our light so shine before men that when they see our good works, they'll glorify or give honor to our father in heaven. And so we too, we need to have our conduct honorable among the unbelievers, the Gentiles. They may speak evil of us, but don't let it be true. Don't mess up your witness. Verses 7 through 11, back in Genesis 23, it says, Then Abraham stood up and he bowed himself to the people of the land, the sons of Heth. And he spoke with them, saying, If it is your wish that I bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and meet with Ephron, the son of Zohar, for me, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he has, which is at the end of his field, 
Let him give it to me at the full price as property for a burial place among you. Now Ephron dwelt or was sitting among the sons of Heth. And Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the presence of the sons of Heth. All who entered at the gate of his city saying, no, my Lord, hear me. I give you the field and the cave that is in it. I give it to you in the presence of the sons of my people. In the presence of these other Hittites. I I give you not only the cave but the field. Bury your dead. And so notice he was doing this. Or he spoke. Ephron spoke in the presence of the sons of Heth. All who enter at the gate of the city. And so the gate of the city. That's where um, commercial transactions took place. And so they're gathered there. And so, in other words, if you remember Abraham's request, he wanted to speak with Ephron, who was sitting among the Hittites, because he had a specific cave in mind. That cave of Machpelah. And that cave was at the end of um, the field that Ephron owned. And so in the presence of these people, of his people, Ephron we see again, he responded to Abraham. And in fact, like I said, he he offered to give him not only the cave, but the field. And many Bible scholars agree, by the way, that what Ephron said was actually a part of the bargaining process. That though he said he was going to give it to him, it was just a part of the process. He really didn't want that. He really didn't mean that. But he was just trying to get the process going. That was the culture. That's how it was done at that time. You see, he figured that Abraham would refuse the property as a gift. And then after the refusal, he, you know, expected him to give a price. Or um, um, Ephraim would give a price and then he expected the haggling to take place. You know, no, you want this much? No, how about this much? Just to go that back and forth. Well, hey, you do have a bit of dead grass over there. How about you give me a little discount? And then just the back and forth. That's what um, Ephron expected. And so we'll see what happens here in, in verses 12 through 16. It says, then Abraham bowed himself down before the people of the land. And he spoke to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land saying, if you will give it, please hear me. I will give you money for the field. Okay, this is kind of going where Ephraim wanted it to, the the haggling, the the bargaining. He says, take it from me, Abraham said. And he said, I will bury my dead there. And Ephraim answered Abraham, saying to him, my Lord, listen to me. The land is worth 400 shekels of silver or approximately 10 pounds. What is that between you and me? You know, one one Bible version says, um, I won't argue with you over the price so bury your dead and abraham listened to ephron and abraham weighed out the silver for ephron which he had named in the hearing of the sons of heth 400 shekels or 10 pounds of silver currency of the merchants or according to the weights current among the merchants see abraham was willing to pay for the field and the cave to bury his wife. He didn't go. He didn't do the back and forth thing. Ephron offered it for free. And then 
he offered to pay for it. So Ephron was like, well, 400 shekels. Good starting point. Some Bible scholar says that was really high. But Abraham didn't argue with him. He didn't haggle. In fact, this man of God, Abraham, he didn't want anything handed to him. See, he's already been through a situation that involved the well of water with um, Abimelech's servants who took that well. And so in order to prevent future issues with the well, Abraham gave Abimelech this in the past, some past studies. He, he gave Abimelech sheep and oxen and he made a covenant with him and he even gave him seven you or female lambs. And he gave them to Abimelech, that king of Gerar, as a witness that said, hey, you accept this. Everybody see this. I dug this well. This is my well. And so here I can kind of see that at the back of his mind, yes, Abraham was just looking for a place to bury his wife. Money was no object to him to bury his wife, Sarah, in the land that God had promised to him in Canaan. But also I could kind of see in the back of his mind, he didn't want another situation like this, like he had with Abimelech, king of Gerar. And so he prevented by purchasing this, this field. He also prevented that future potential issue with Ephron and the Hittites. So in other words, Abraham learned from the past. Is that something that we can say we've done? Are we still making the same mistakes over and over again? If we made a mistake, if we sinned in the past and the Lord was gracious enough, merciful enough to forgive us and to get us past it and to to pick us up and get us back on our feet to restore us. The least we can do is, is learn from that. We can learn from the past like Abraham did. If we learn from the past, it's going to help our relationship with people. It's going to help our walk with God, learning from the past and doing better from that point on. So Abraham, he has matured. He's learned. Verses 17 through 20. It says, so the field of Ephron, which was in Machpelah, which was before or to the east of Mamre or Hebron, uh, the field and the cave that was in it and all the trees that were in or within the boundaries of the field, which were within all the surrounding borders, were deeded. To Abraham as a possession in the presence of the sons of Heth before all who went in at the gate of his city. Again, this place where um, these transactions would take place. We even see that in the book of Ruth, by the way. Um, and in verse 19, it says, and after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah before or near Mamre, that is Hebron. In the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave that is in it were deeded or ratified to Abraham by the sons of Heth or these Hittites. In other words, it passed from the Hethites or the Hittites to Abraham as property or this permanent possession for a burial place. Now, this would be the same field, the same cave that Abraham would also be buried in. Also, Isaac and Rebecca, I'm, I'm going down the line now. I'm, I'm going to the future now, at least from this point in, in the text. 
and even Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, and Leah, they will be buried in this same field, in this same cave. And so that's a lot of history there. You see, God promised Abraham and his descendants. Remember, he promised them the land of Canaan. Now, at this point, we all know that he and his descendants had not inherited Canaan yet. But we see here that he was able to get a piece of it. In other words, we see that Abraham was able to get a piece of the promise. He got a piece of the promise in the form of a burial place for his wife, Sarah. But even still, the the scriptures in the New Testament tell us. And okay, maybe he didn't inherit all of it while he was still living on this side of eternity. But the Bible tells us that that he, along with many heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11, they have inherited the heavenly city, the heavenly, the eternal Jerusalem. But on this side of heaven, he got a piece of that promise, a piece of Canaan. And so this is where we come in as believers. Because as believers, we too have a promise from God. There is also for us an an, an inheritance. And for the believer, for the Christian. And a person is not a Christian just because they were born in a household where the parents or the, the, the grandparents are Christian. Or because they come to a Christian church, you, you're a Christian if you, once again, have repented and put your trust in Jesus Christ. You're a believer. You're a child of God. And so as believers, as, as Christians, we have this inheritance. You have this promise. And it includes things such as the earth. Remember what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, that the meek will inherit the earth. Part of our inheritance as believers. It talks about us inheriting salvation. So yes, even now we are saved. We are justified, declared righteous, have a right standing with God. Yes, we're saved by grace through faith in Christ. And right now we're even going through the process of sanctification being molded into the image of Jesus. But we also have that final stage of salvation, which is our bodies being redeemed or having that glorified body that we always talk about. And so we'll inherit the earth. We'll inherit salvation. These things have been promised to us, just like uh, the land of Canaan has been promised to Abraham and his descendants. We, too, have some promises The scriptures tell us that we'll inherit the kingdom of God, that we will inherit eternal life. In fact, the Bible says that we'll get to share in whatever Jesus Christ is an heir of. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter one, verse two, that Jesus Christ is an heir of all things. The Bible also tells us that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So. We'll share in that inheritance with Christ. We have that promise of getting glorified bodies. These bodies are not glorified. 
empty. These bodies get tired. These these bodies get weak. These bodies uh, get sick. These bodies die. And whenever we talk about death, physical death or any death, we're talking about separation. Think separation when you think death. Physical death, the separation of the soul from the body, spiritual death, meaning you can be physically alive, but spiritually you're dead. In other words, you're separated from the life of God. You don't have eternal life, even though you're living physically. That's because you don't have a relationship with God, the father through faith or trust in Jesus Christ. And then if you die in that state, then there's eternal death, eternal separation from God in hell. Hell, by the way, was created for the devil and those fallen angels who rebel with him. But for anybody who dies in their sin because they refuse the cure for sin, Jesus Christ, then they will also go to that lake of fire that the scriptures talk about. And you'll see that if you if you're continuing in the book of Revelation in that study, or if you read on your own time, you see that in Revelation chapter 20, that lake of fire where death and Hades will be cast into that lake of fire. Gehenna, which Jesus talks about when he talks about hell, he's talking about uh, Gehenna. He's talking about the lake of fire. So when you think death, think separation. And so these bodies, yes, they die physically, separation of soul and body, but but one day, like I said, we even got the promise of the glorified bodies, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. But but yet and still, and you know this, I'm sure you do. You have not. I have not experienced all the promises of God. I have not uh, touched all of the inheritance that God had promised to the saints. Neither have you who are in this room or who are alive right now on this side of heaven watching on your computer screen or or maybe your tablet or phone. We have not yet experienced all the promises, but but here's the thing. In order to make sure that we understand that whatever God has promised us, that we're going to get what he's promised us, we're going to get the inheritance. Guess what God so graciously did? He gave us the down payment of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You see in Ephesians chapter one, and I don't have that on the screen there. In Ephesians chapter one, verses 13 and 14, it says in him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And it says he's the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. You see that? So, so those of us, as, as we just try to break this down a little bit. Okay. Remember we, you, you think Abraham, we use an Abraham story as a springboard to us spiritually speaking, right? So he's been promised Canaan, hasn't seen the the realization of inheriting the whole land, but he got a piece of it. And now here we are as believers. We have these promises in Christ, this inheritance that's available to us in Christ and have not yet experienced it. But yet God 
made sure we got a, we got a peace. He, 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 he made sure that we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. We're sealed. When the seal speaks of ownership. It speaks of security. So in other words, you belong to God if you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. If you trusted in Christ for salvation, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You belong to him. That does not change. You don't move from that. You are secure. It speaks also, the seal speaks also of security. Just like when a seal is placed upon an envelope, for example, it secures the contents that are within that envelope. So it speaks of ownership and security. That's what we are. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. After you trusted in Christ, after we heard the word of truth and obviously believe. And notice what it says about the Holy Spirit. He is the guarantee of our inheritance. What, whatever God has promised us, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of that. It means that he is the down payment of our inheritance. So if you want to know if you're really going to get what God had promised you, had promised that you're going to inherit, by having the Holy Spirit, you have the down payment. God is saying, yes, you're going to get that. Until the redemption of the purchased possession. In other words, until we receive the end of our salvation. And the end of our salvation includes freedom from our current bodies and the reception of our new glorified bodies. Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit is with us forever. He's our seal. He's our down payment that, yes, you're going to get what I promised you. We get a piece of that in the Holy Spirit. You see, on this side of eternity, we even get to experience a taste of it, uh, even more of a taste of this inheritance. Just like, like I said, just like Abraham got a piece of what was promised to him. You see, when my, when my wife, she bakes a cake, she makes a seven up pound cake with this caramel icing. It's so good. It makes you want to slap your mama. So I'm glad my mom lives in L.A. And I'm I'm not giving this CD to my mom. She's from Alabama, so she's tough. But 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 anyway, she 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 makes this this seven up pound cake with caramel icing, right? And 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 what she does is she makes um, these little you know thinner pieces of the cake just so you can test it out. And so in in other words, you get a we, we get to get a little taste. Of the bigger picture. We get a taste of the big cake. Uh, uh, And so. It's the same way with us. We get a taste of the inheritance on this side of heaven. First of all, I talked about through the Holy Spirit, but but also in our fellowship with God. Even though on, on, on this side of heaven, sometimes our fellowship with God is broken. That's not loss of salvation, but but our fellowship with him could be broken due to sin in our lives. And so we do with first John chapter one, verse nine says we confess our sins and he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we're back on the same page with him. And so we experience we get a little taste of the inheritance, the fellowship with God, although, like I said, sometimes the fellowship could be off the same page. 
We even have knowledge, knowledge of the word, knowledge of spiritual things, although it's partial, according to 1 Corinthians 13. We get to experience peace here. Sometimes, a lot of times, many times we experience peace within part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Even though there, there may be things that may agitate us at times. Yes, as believers, we can experience that inner peace. And even those times when our, our inner peace is not disturbed. There's this outward agitation from things around us. Could be bills. It could be just crazy stuff happening at work or in your neighborhood. Friction and various relationships. So you have the peace within, but sometimes not peace without. And so sometimes we could even be in that place. But that peace is still a little taste of the inheritance of eternity. We get a taste of the blessings of worshiping with our spiritual family and local churches. We get a taste of what that's going to be like in heaven. Even now we, we on this side of heaven, we get to experience material blessings in this life. Although those, those material blessings, those material things don't last. We may be able to experience physical healing as the Lord blesses, although that optimal health is still temporary in these bodies. A person could even die, be resuscitated and still die again. Hint, Lazarus. Poor Lazarus, he died twice. But a miracle was wrought. A miracle was done. You see, so we could get a little taste of eternity. What eternity is like, a little taste of what that inheritance, that eternal inheritance is like. On this side of heaven, we get a taste of that. But guess what? There's going to come a time in God's plan and in his timing in which we're going to experience the fullness of his promise in eternity. And so all of the blessings... As good as they are on this side of heaven, all of those blessings that we get to enjoy on this side of heaven. I'm going to say something that I shouldn't say as an English teacher. In spite of all those good blessings we enjoy on this side of heaven, we ain't seen nothing yet. I'm allowed to break the rule tonight. (laughs) Some grammar rules. It's okay. I'll fix it later. That felt uncomfortable, but... (laughs) We ain't seen nothing yet. There, I said it with you know, more bass in my voice. We ain't seen nothing yet. In spite of all those blessings we enjoy on this side of heaven, no matter how good things may be for you as a believer on this side of heaven, what I'm saying is it gets even better in heaven. You see, in heaven, there won't be any broken fellowship with God because of sin. There will be unbroken fellowship. It's a part of our inheritance that we're also going to get to know even as we are known. So right now, the what we know is partial. But we're going to know even more in eternity, not as much as God, but our, our, our knowledge is going to be even deeper, even more clear. You see, here in time, we get the experience of peace, of the blessings of peace, P-E-A-C-E. We get to experience a little bit of that here. Like I said, sometimes we can have it within, but not always without. But in eternity, there's going to be peace, not only within, but on the outside. You know, on this side of heaven, we 
We worship with our spiritual family. And sometimes some folks, you know, I don't, I don't want to sing those type of songs. I want to sing this type of song. Oh, we shouldn't worship that way. We should worship this way. But overall, it's a, it's a blessing to worship with our spiritual family here in our local churches, but in an eternity as we experience our inheritance. Are we going to worship with our spiritual family in unity? There's going to, not going to be any disagreements. There's not going to be any voice cracking. It's going to be even sweeter. You think it's sweet right now when you're lifting up your voices to the Lord together. It's going to be even sweeter in eternity as we inherit eternity, part of our inheritance. Just right now, though, we get a little piece of it. Like Abraham got a little piece of his inheritance. You see, on this side of heaven, we experience the temporary blessings, the material blessings. Some of those things like cars, we may be blessed with a car in our time of need. But but sometimes those get wrecked. Sometimes those rust. Sometimes those, you know, just shut down. Batteries go out. Alternators go out. Windows get broken. But in eternity, there's no temporary blessings. As we enjoy our inheritance, there's no need for prayers to be healed. We don't need to ask for healing in eternity. We'll have glorified bodies. You see, all of what God has for us in Christ, we're going to finally see it. Everything we have in Christ, we're going to be able to touch it and finally experience all the blessings that we have in Christ. We get a taste of it now, but one day we'll get to touch it. We'll get to see it. We'll get to experience it. As a worship team, take a stage. I just want to share with you that if as a Christian, you are experiencing blessings on top of blessings and you have minimal problems right now, everything is falling into place for you right now. Everything's going really well for you and we're going really smooth right now. Things could not be better for you right now as a Christian. If you are in that place, I would say to you to not allow your mind to get stuck here on earth because as I mentioned, earlier it gets better you get a taste of it now a piece of it now but it gets better but maybe you're a christian and yes you know you're blessed overall because you're in christ if you're in christ you're blessed amen so so maybe you're in that place you know you're blessed you know you're saved but maybe you've been hitting some rough patches in your life Maybe things haven't been going as smooth for you as it has for some other Christians. I would say to you to take heart. Because guess what? Like even for that Christian I said. Where things are just falling into place for them, how it get better, how it gets better, even for you. Yes, it gets better. Because we have eternity to look forward to. We have our eternal inheritance to look forward to. And as beautiful as you can imagine heaven to to be as as great as you believe your inheritance in Christ to be. As privileged as you think you are, and you are privileged, we're blessed to be uh, heir of God and joint heir with Christ. 
We know that on this side of heaven, on this side of eternity. But yes, it gets better. And for the believer, this is as bad as it's going to get. But for the unbeliever, if you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, this is as good as it's going to get. And I don't say that gleefully or mockingly. This is as good as it gets right here. If you don't have a personal relationship with Christ. And so, yes, right now. Enjoy whatever piece of the inheritance that the Lord has blessed you with right now, but. Just always keep in mind that it gets better and praise God for that. Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are and what you are to us. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray, Lord, that something was said that that we can take with us and apply to our lives with the help of your spirit. May you equip us for the work of the ministry. May you help us to overcome any struggles that we're going through. May you comfort and encourage anyone whose spouse has passed away recently or maybe years ago, but it still hurts. Especially as this holiday season is upon us. Lord, may they sense your presence like they've never sensed your presence before. May they sense your love, Father, like they never sensed or experienced your love before. And may you stir the hearts of us who maybe who never experienced that type of thing, but we know of someone who is going through it. May you guide us, Lord, in reaching out to whomever you place upon our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.